Jesus Christ, he who was extraordinary became ordinary. His presence so influential that it split history in two. The one who created the vast universe and everything in it left the staggering magnificence of heaven, did the downward mobility thing, and came into our world as a baby born in a manger. The reality of his earthly existence has tremendous implications for our lives on earth and for eternity. Deciding on a God with me life and the assurance of eternity in his presence starts with three phrases. I know, I'm sorry, I'm ready. This Christmas, we're challenged to stop, be still, and give consideration to the importance of embracing or re-embracing this heaven's love that came down to save the world. What is it that is so captivating, so magnetic, even mystifying about this baby born in a crude stable some 2,000 years ago that for a brief window of time every year we find ourselves rethinking our lives, rethinking our priorities and our futures and our relationships? What is it? The truth of the matter is that in a few days, Christmas trees will come down, decorations and eggnog will go on sale for half price, and diets will begin. In a few days, we're going to turn the calendar to a new year. Business plans will heat up, and thousands of us will be off on our quest to find meaning and significance through another deal, another dollar, another relationship, another purchase, or even another trip. So what is it about this baby in this humble setting that is practically bringing the whole world to a screeching halt this week? Whatever else you may believe about him, you, you would have to admit that his birth is so important that it split all of history in two. Some say that he was a symbol of hope. Some say he's a representation of God. Some say a great prophet. And some say a good moral teacher. But the Bible makes this incredible claim in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, about the identity of this baby. And it says, The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to reflect on those three simple words just for a few moments. God with us. The Bible makes the astonishing claim that this baby boy lying in a manger was the eternal, transcendent second person of the Godhead. That in one millisecond, the God who made this vast universe left the staggering magnificence of heaven, did the downward mobility thing, and voluntarily reduced himself to a microscopic cell in the womb of a teenage girl. And there he lived in darkness for nine months until the day he was born. Not in a VIP suite in the maternity, maternity ward at the King David Royal Hospital, but in a barn or a type of cave where his first smells were those of animal waste and his first sounds were those of animal grunts and groans and other noisy sounds. He who was extraordinary became ordinary. He was God with us. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
And the great temptation at Christmas is for us to reduce the baby to, to, to be less than he really was, less than God. Because if you can reduce him to less than God, then you can remove him from the center of your life. Christmas, then, becomes just nice seasonal folklore, and you can stay away from the manger and from its true meaning. But if he was who he claimed to be, that has quite an implication for us. And maybe some of you need to do like those shepherds did out on a hillside that night, namely stop and be still and consider who was this baby born in this unusual setting. For years, we have sung the Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. There's a line in that song that says, Word of the Father, now in flesh, appearing. Have you ever wondered what those words mean? Well, John chapter 1, verse 14 talks about that when it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If he was God, the eternal second person of the Godhead, if those little fingers reaching into the night sky from that manger were the same hands that measured the skies when they were formed, if he was Emmanuel, God with us, yes, that has enormous implications for our lives and beyond that for our eternities. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Some of you, I suppose, find yourselves this Christmas going through some pretty challenging and perhaps difficult circumstances that have just hammered you down. Some of you are in stressful circumstances physically, and some relationally, some emotionally, some financially, and even some spiritually. And that first Christmas was pretty stressful too. Joseph had a lot of stress on him. I'm sure he was stressed out when he heard about this unexpected tax that had to be paid. I mean, we don't usually sing carols on April 15th now, do we? Then he and Mary, while she's nine months pregnant, had to make the 85-mile journey on the back of a donkey over rough and rocky terrain from their home in Nazareth to the town of Bethlehem. And they get to Bethlehem and there's no place to stay. And of course, like a typical guy, Joseph had forgotten to make a reservation and their baby's born in a barn. And when you're going through a hard time, as some of you are maybe right now in this Christmas season, you wonder, does God know? Can God really see the circumstances that I'm in? Does he even care? And friend, if you've ever wondered that, or maybe you've ever thought that, I want you to hold on to that thought for just another moment. When he sent his son at Christmas, God was saying this. I see you. I see your needs. You are not forgotten. You are not invisible. I love you, and I'm going to meet your needs in small and sometimes even big, unexpected ways. And I'm convinced that God brought some of you here this Christmas so you could hear these words from him. He needs to say to you, I see you. I see you who live life alone. And maybe you're one who is going to walk to your car today and you're going to watch families load up in their minivans and SUVs and you're, you'll be all alone. And it's going to hurt. I see you 
who have loved ones who are carrying illnesses in their bodies. And you wonder today if they're even going to live to see Christmas next year. I see you who are headed into some challenging family dynamic gatherings. This week is going to be special. <laughs> and you who are dealing with ex-spouses and custody situations that are complicated. I see you who are going to have an empty chair at your table this Christmas because there's been a divorce or there's a loved one that you've buried this year and the pain you feel is simply unbearable. Beloved, God says, I see you, and I came at Christmas to be with you. That little preposition, with, is used 89 times in the Old Testament of the Bible to refer to God being with his people. God walked with Adam in the garden. And when God called Moses to be a leader, and Moses said, oh, he couldn't do that, God said, he would be with him. And in Psalm 23, verse 4, are those great words that we've turned to many times in difficult seasons of our lives. When, when God says to us, what, what we, we need fear no evil for, he is with us. Yes, friends, God is with you. God came at Christmas not just to be with you here and now, but he gave his son so that he could be with you and with me forever. And if you ever want to know how badly God wants to be with you forever, just look at this baby in that lowly manger. Look at the one who died on a bloodstained cross. Look at the one who walked out of a tomb. Look, when Jesus died on a cross, he who had no sin gathered up all our greed and all our lust and all our selfishness and all our pride and all our ego, and all our deception. And he said, I will carry it all for you. Why? So that I can be with you forever. He is Emmanuel. Yes, he is God with us. As Dad explained just a few minutes ago, when Jesus came, history was split in half. We refer to it as B.C. and A.D., before Christ, and Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. A few years ago, we started using terms that go back about 300 years before Common Era and Common Era. So whatever term you're comfortable using, they all point to the same thing. So we don't need to be offended by them. Either way, history is split in two. 
in a way, what Christmas does is it forces all of us to kind of think of our world in two parts. In, in one camp would be this group of people who have chosen to live God-apart lives, like God-at-a-distance lives. They're not necessarily bad people. Some are wonderful, wonderful people, right? They've just chosen to live their lives apart from the activity and the love and the involvement of God in their lives. Then there's another camp, and they would be the God-in-my-life-every-day kind of people, the God-with-me people. They aren't better necessarily than the people in the other camp, but they're better off. They might not be much better at all if, if you know, but if they, it's just that they've, they've taken the Christmas gift, that God with us kind of life, and opened their lives up to it. Like you, I know people in both camps. I've watched people, friends, live a God apart life. I've seen what it's like going into challenging situations where they wouldn't have access to guidance and wisdom beyond their own. And during that season in their lives, they just kind of wanted God at bay. And then maybe through a set of experiences, they end up in that God with me group. And when you compare the two, I would say that the God apart group is kind of like black and white television from 1972 with a small cheesy speaker under the screen. There's a lot of forcing of things, you know, fear and anxiety and comparison and competition. But the God with me group is like a 75-inch high-def TV with surround sound. There's this peace that passes human understanding and a kind of awareness throughout the course of the day that there is a God who loves me and wants to guide my life. In this group, as I'm walking with God throughout the course of my day, and I listen to people who are talking to me. And while I'm talking, what I'm going through, while I'm, while I'm going through the course of my day, you run across, you know, a person and, and you might be tempted to go right on by, but God helps us see. He helps me see with new lenses that this is a person in need and that I shouldn't just walk on by. I should slow down and offer some help. When God's in your life, see, he expands our capacity to love. He truly does. It's a love of another kind. When you walk with God, you find yourself responding to the poor, responding to the marginalized. You find yourself reaching across maybe a racial line or maybe a socioeconomic line that you never would have before. And maybe it even surprises you because you remember how small your heart used to be when you're in that other camp. Brings us to this question. How are we going to respond to this gift of God with us? You know, the greatest gift you can receive this Christmas is n not a, a new PlayStation or an iPhone or the newer, bigger, smarter, whatever, or not even the newest Paw Patrol thing, you know, whatever that is this year. The greatest gift is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And I know that some of you are not ready to receive that gift yet, but could you make the commitment that beginning with Christmas 2021, you're going to honestly examine who is this baby in the manger? You ever gotten a great big gift? It's all wrapped up, and when you unwrap it, there's another gift inside the box, and then another gift inside of that, and another, and another, until you finally get deep inside, and you find the real gift. Has anybody ever pulled that on you? Well, some of you, spiritually speaking, have to go on a journey like that, where you open up one box, and then there's another, 
and another and another. And for many around faith community, that first box has been our Sunday services where they start to discover who God is and how he wants to relate to us. And then maybe some time goes by and they open another box and another box until they find the real gift. Listen, if you're in the examination phase, I just want you to know that faith community is a place where your doubts and your questions are welcome. In fact, we're going to take some time in a small group setting in the new year to explore your questions and address your doubts and maybe just start an honest faith journey or maybe restart your faith experience. We'll be saying more about that in the next couple weeks. So maybe you need to examine this whole thing in the new year. And maybe you've done that. And this Christmas, you're ready to embrace the gift, the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. And what we feel we get so close to at Christmas time, listen, we can have that all year long. We just say to God, I want that baby in a manger who became our savior on a cross and walked out of the tomb. I want him to be the savior of my life and the Lord of my life and the forgiver of my moral foul ups and my best friend. Some of you done that and then maybe you've kind of, kind of spiritually drifted away from God, the God who's with you. And you look the same on the outside, but on the inside, in your heart, you're a long way off and there's distance. Christmas is a great time to come back and decide you're going to re-embrace the gift all over again. So, who is this baby in a manger that the whole world is stopping to worship? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. I hope you'll think about how you'll respond to this gift. Will you, at the very least, commit to examine him in the new year? Will you embrace him if you're ready? Will you embrace him all over again? Will you exalt and worship the God who is with us? Will you embrace heaven's love that came down to save the world? And right now I know because God seems to do this every Christmas, it's like the winds of the Spirit are blowing And there's a stirring in your spirit. And the Bible says that you really need to pay attention when the winds of his Holy Spirit are blowing. You're always going to have those external challenges that all of us do in life. But you can have a calm center. You can have a sense of God doing daily life with you, like every day. You can have a calm assurance about your eternity. We can have that if we get to the place where we're willing to say these three phrases. I know. I'm sorry I've kept God out of my life. And I'm ready to turn the page in this part of my life, to ask Christ to be my Savior and ask Him to lead my life. I want to live a God-with-me life. I want to take just a few seconds with you, and I'd like to say a prayer that some of you can pray along with me in your spirit. Let's just bow our heads for a second. Got to pray. There are people in this room who can say, I know. I know the Christmas child was more than a baby in a barn. He was God's son who became the redeemer of the world. I pray that there are people who are ready to say, I'm sorry for keeping God at arm's distance. I'm sorry and I'm done with that. I pray that there are people right now who are willing to say this very moment, Christmas 2021, I'm ready. I'm ready to admit my need for forgiveness, my need for a leader in my life to take my life on a new path. 
Now, God, if people have claimed these statements, move powerfully in our spirits, even as I'm praying right now. May they decide and declare and grab hold of this new life, this God-with-me life that's been available to anybody who will ask. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that kind of prayer, would you take a minute before you uh, leave in a little while, fill out the Connect card if you're watching online. Uh, fill out that Connect card. You'll see the, you'll see the tab there on your screen. Uh, just write somewhere on that card or in that form, in the comments box, just write, I know, I'm sorry, I'm ready. Probably the people who came with you or brought, maybe even brought you can help you out a little bit on the next steps for you. We as a church would sure be happy to help out in any way that we can. Here's the thing. When you live a God-with-me life, something that happens throughout the course of your day is that you find yourself wanting to say thank you to God for all kinds of things, for the blessings He's brought into your life, for the beauty of creation, for family, for friends, for whatever. You just want to say thank you to God. So, Lord, this morning, we want to plainly express our gratitude. Thank you for being a God-with-us God. Thank you for giving your Son, Jesus for making a way for us to live in a restored relationship with you, both in the here and now and in the life to come. And now that we've tasted and seen that this new life that you offer through Jesus is indeed abundant and rich and eternally significant, we want to bring you glory with our lives every day. And in this gathering this morning, even as we're gathered virtually, we know that we're sharing this experience with many others right now. And as we sing this closing song, in the darkness, we were waiting without hope and without light, till from heaven you came running. There's mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt. And we cry out, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, Praise forever to the King of Kings. Amen.